As we go through our lives, we're often presented with new things. Uh, When we're young, it's new schools. As we get older, new jobs, new relationships, new denominations of religion, new churches. And when we're confronted with something new, there are a few things that can happen. Uh, We may find things that we like and embrace them. We may find things that we don't like. And we figure out how to try to live with that and adapt. And every once in a while, when we find something new, we have what I call an aha moment. This is a moment that you don't expect. One that takes you by surprise, makes you think differently, or brings a new idea into focus. Almost exactly three years ago, I attended my first church service at a Unitarian Universalist church. During the service, when they recited the affirmation, the following line jumped out at me. Service is its prayer. Bingo! And it wasn't even a Catholic church. Aha! That was the moment for me that changed the way I looked at things. Ideas are funny things. Sometimes you get one great, big, gigantic, general idea. And then you start whittling away at it, you think about it, and you narrow it down and narrow it down until you come to a specific conclusion. This time I went the other way. I started with a specific service as a form of prayer. And that thought led to another and another until I had wholly changed many of the things, the way I thought about many of the things in my life. For example, I started with the concept of prayer. Now, to me, in its simplest form, prayer is the communication between man and God. It is the way we stay in touch with all that is holy. And what a wonderful thing that is, that someone just so insignificant as an individual can communicate with the creator of all things. We're also taught that when we do pray, God answers our prayers. God listens to us anyway. We may not always like the answer. I have to confess, like Carol, that I have never been comfortable with the concept of prayer. A few weeks ago, uh, when Carol and I were discussing this service, she reminded me that as children, most of our prayers are requests. It is though God is the great celestial Santa Claus sitting up on the throne, and that's where we can go to pray for a bicycle. As we get older, our prayers evolve. We ask for more spiritual things, things like understanding. We ask for strength to deal with problems. We ask for patience, wisdom. And here lately, as I get older, I find that most of my prayers are ones of thanksgiving. So why are we praying? If God is everywhere and knows everything... Shouldn't he already know that I am just going to die if I don't get that bicycle? (laughs) Doesn't he already know when I was having problems with my parent, and wouldn't he give me the strength to deal with that? And what about confession? If God knows everything, he already knows what I've done wrong. Do I really need to talk to him about this all over again? I mean, he's God. He shouldn't need a reminder. 
And if we're talking about transgressions, I'd just assume he forgive and forget mine and move on to the next person. <laughs> of course, that thought led me to another one. Who am I really talking to? I'm no longer comfortable with the concept of a central God the Father, where all that is holy is centered in one finite, omnipotent being. And yet somehow I still draw comfort in referring to God the Father when I pray. It's not a description anymore, but more of a phrase that gives me focus. And of course, it's hard to let go of all the lessons we learned in our youth. So now I've gone from thinking about prayer to thinking about the very nature of God. And of course, I realize I'm not the first person to think about that. But in my thinking, I formed a working hypothesis that seems to work for me. That God is everywhere because he or she is part of everything. In my mind, God has now graduated from being the king that we got from central casting to the energy that lives within all of us. God can know everything because he exists within everything. Kind of like a universal life force that we all share and we're all a part of. And that can include the animals and the plants and the trees and for all I know, maybe the rocks. Maybe when we die, our own specific life force becomes one again with this universal life force and we are once again one with God. And that brought me back to prayer. If God lives within me and through me, and prayer is a way of talking with God or being closer to God, the old method of folding your hands and acting like you're talking to the boss is going to have to change. I had to find a way to look within instead of looking without. And it just so happens, right about that time, someone came along and invented meditation. Okay, maybe they invented it a little earlier. <laughs> if I thought I was uncomfortable praying, I was totally out of my element when it came to meditation. You really kind of begin to wonder about yourself if you may not have some sort of deficiency, if you cannot just sit still and be quiet and contemplate things. My biggest problem was... I would fall asleep. And if I'm boring myself, God certainly does has better things to do. Service is its prayer. You might notice that in our affirmation, service is mentioned twice. It is the only concept that is repeated. The second mention is to serve human need. Now, these two lines have a deep meaning to me. Very different from the Christian church that I was brought up in. In the typical Christian church, instead of the affirmation, they often recite the Apostles' Creed. Now, the Apostles' Creed is kind of like the Reader's Digest condensed version of the New Testament and all the things that Christians believe in. It starts with the words, I believe. It is a statement of belief. It is a statement of facts 
and a list of beliefs that the Christians that Christians are expected to embrace. But when I read our affirmation, unlike the Apostles' Creed, our affirmation is not a statement of beliefs, which makes being a Unitarian Universalist kind of hard. People say, what do you believe? We don't have an Apostles' Creed. We can't hold this up. There's not a list there. Our affirmation is not a statement of beliefs. It is a call to action. It is a promise made among people that they will act towards each other in a certain way and that their service to each other is a form of prayer, a way of communicating with God, a way of being closer to God. Now, in more traditional churches, we're often called upon to serve God. Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 12, uh, I bet you everybody here knows this because they drill it into you when you're a kid. And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you? But to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, and to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. We are brought up to serve God. Now I find myself in a church where we're serving humankind. And that becomes a way of glorying God. We're not called upon to serve God, but we serve human need, and we take this further. This kind of service is now a form of prayer. Service in and of itself becomes a holy thing. We honor God with our service to others. We communicate with God by being of service to the people who are also a part of creation. Our service to others becomes our prayer, and it is a prayer of thanksgiving. It is a prayer of glory. Service is a prayer that celebrates all that is good and holy within us and within creation. And this is not in conflict with Christian teachings. In Matthew chapter 25, verse 40, it says, And the king shall answer and say to them, Truly, I say to you, inasmuch as you have done it to the least of these my brothers, you have done it to me. Now, for people who believe that Jesus of Nazareth is the true Son of God, this is a central point. When you serve your fellow man, it is as if you are doing it for God. This area here is where the Christian Church and the Unitarian Universalists have a lot of common ground. Faith alone won't stand the test of time if it is not accompanied by actions. Our responsive reading today was taken from the book of James. Uh, James chapter 2, verse 14. What good is it, my brothers, if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith serve, save him? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you say to him, go, I wish you well, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about his physical needs, what good is it? And this next verse is, is the kicker. In the same way, Faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. Uh, in, in verse 24, James says, So you see, we are made right with God by what we do, not by faith alone. Late in his life, Albert Schweitzer became a member of the Unitarian Universalist Church. I, something I never knew. I think he was in his 80s at the time. One of his... Uh, one of his quotations 
had to do with religion and service. And, it's, and he said, there is no higher religion than human service. To work for the common good is the greatest creed. Service to others, I found, is also a selfish act. And I know that sounds contradictory, but I believe it to be true. When we serve others, the good that we do for them is multiplied within ourselves. Did you ever notice how good you feel after you do something that is selfless? Your feeling of satisfaction and accomplishment is sometimes far greater than the energy you expended. Your reward feels greater than your task, and it usually lasts longer. I've come to believe that this feeling is the God within us responding to the deeds that we do. Our service has brought us closer to the God within us. Our service has become a prayer, and we become better people for this. The story is told that Mahatma Gandhi once settled in a village and began serving the needs of the villagers who lived there. Uh, a friend inquired if Gandhi's objectives in serving the poor were purely humanitarian. Surprisingly, Gandhi replied, No, not at all. I am here to serve no one else but myself, to find my own self-realization through the service of these village folk. Gandhi said, the best way to find yourself is to lose yourself in the service of others. And another great quote, which I've known for a long time, but really never had meaning to me till recently. Ralph Waldo Emerson said, it is one of the most beautiful compensations of life that no man can sincerely try to help another without helping himself. This past week, President Obama signed into law the Edward M. Kennedy Serve America Act. This legislation will spend $5.7 billion over the next five years to encourage Americans of all ages to volunteer to help their fellow Americans throughout the United States. When he signed the bill, President Obama said, We need your service right now at this moment in history. That could have been written by a Unitarian. I'm not going to tell you what your role should be. That's for you to discover. But I'm asking you to stand up and play your part. Maybe if we're lucky, service will become the prayer of our nation. And I'll leave you this morning with what may be a very familiar parable, but it's one of my favorites. A man once stood before God his heart breaking from the pain and injustice of the world. Dear God, he cried out, look at all the suffering, the anguish, and the distress in your world. Why don't you send help? And God responded to him, I did send help. I sent you. Service is our prayer. What a wonderful way to become nearer to God.